0: Hey folks, before we get started, want to discuss our brand new sponsor here at the Brian Nichols Show. And it's one you are familiar with because it is the one and only We Are Libertarians network. But I have a little bit of a surprise. Yes, we have merch. The We Are Libertarians store is alive and active and it can be found in the show notes. And guys, I, oh my goodness, we have some fantastic... Um, some fantastic shirts, uh, so we have some weird libertarian shirts, uh, both with the new logo, um, that was re- recently designed, but also the, the, uh, the old OG logo, it's one with the Statue of Liberty, um, and the sunburst, uh, we also have, uh, I, uh, I heart roads, or I heart my roads, uh, my road, um, yours truly, The Brian Nichols Show, we have our brand new, super, super schmexy Brian Nichols Show logo there on a, a couple of shirts, um, we have polos, we have, uh, posters, we have magnets, we have masks, Masks are pretty much mandatory everywhere. If you need a mask, get a Brian Nichols show mask or a We Are Libertarians mask. If you need a coffee cup or a, a knit beanie. I call them a toque up in northern New York. But everybody says I'm an idiot because I say toque and not beanie. Whatever. But you can get that too. And it does say We Are Libertarians, of course. Um, Gingerarchy has uh, some, uh, some great shirts there as well. Another one of our fantastic shows. So click the link in the show notes. Support the We Are Libertarians store but support your friends here at Weird Libertarians by rocking some awesome merch. So, with that, on to the show.
1: Can I pause for a second and and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes, like, homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. (laughs)
0: Another show, Brian Nichols here on the Brian Nichols Show. Welcome back! If it's your first time, well, first and foremost, welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. I am your humble host, Brian Nichols. And if you're a returning guest here in the Brian Nichols Show, well, then you know it's in store, right? It's it's another phenomenal guest. And in keeping in uh in I don't know why it ended up this way, but in the uh, the the three in a row blue check marks on my show this uh, this week, I'm joined. By continuing that trend, Brad Palumbo. Now, Brad is a, a familiar guest and name from the show. Uh, joining us way back in a January of 2019. And at the time, Brad was actually just starting off his venture at the Washington Examiner. Um, and now he is he's branched out into so many different areas. Um, so I wanted to have Brad back on the show, obviously, to discuss all that's been happening in his life. But also to discuss one area that he's taken a uh, particular interest in. That is specifically working with FEE. Uh, which, obviously, for those of you who are not aware, FEE is uh, one of the nonprofits out there. The Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, great, great organization, and uh, with that, Brad actually has been working a lot on criminal justice reform and focusing specifically on libertarian approaches to uh, CJR and how we can actually bring uh, options like qualified immunity, right, to the table. I'm um, focusing on things like uh, ending. Um, the uh, the no-knock warrants, and and we discussed this in depth uh, today, so so with that, uh, if, if you find value in today's show, especially with all that's going on in the world, share today's episodes, and one of those episodes is a great uh, a great opportunity to share ideas with somebody out there, and hey, that's how we actually, uh, what, win, change the future, make things better, uh, and it starts with uh, changing people's minds. So, with that being said, on to the show, Brad Palumbo, here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hey,
1: thanks for having me. It's good to be back with you. G-
0: great to have you back. You've been busy in life. You've So you were back on the show, let's see, it was January of 2019. So we were at that point about one year into the Brian Nichols show, and here we are a year and a half later. Um, I've been busy, obviously, you know, working here at the show and growing the network, and and you've been busy both in, in your professional career but also in your personal life. So when we last spoke to you, I know you were, you were working at the Washington Examiner, um, doing a lot of uh, contributing work over there. What's going on since uh, we last spoke? Are you still the examiner or are you going to do bigger and better things?
1: Right. So I uh, went from being a contributor to the examiner to working there full time on the commentary page staff for a year uh, on a one year fellowship through the Charles Koch Institute. Now I've just come off of that. I finished um, a couple weeks ago and I am Right now, just going at freelance and seeing how that goes. I've got a twice-weekly column at the Examiner and then a new part-time fellowship at the Foundation for Economic Education. Um, my background is in economics and undergraduate, and that's one of my main uh, areas that I've kind of written extensively about. So I'm also writing twice-weekly there. and kind of trying to patch together um, a – space to write libertarian, conservative journalism, um, because it, a bunch of different places and patch that into kind of one coherent full-time work and voice, uh, because unfortunately, you know, there's not really a, 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 an anywhere in conservative news these days that has that kind of Liberty conservative angle. And then libertarian media is great. Uh, in some in some ways but then it doesn't if you are if you're more on the conservative spectrum of libertarianism or your goal is to reach conservatives then writing for uh, libertarian republic or, or reason doesn't get you there as quickly as as it does if you can actually infiltrate the conservative media um, so that's kind of where I am right now I'm looking for What's next? But I'm very excited about the fellowship and about keeping writing for the examiner. Uh, and there's so much to write about that I've been I've been busier than I even imagined since I <laughs> went f- just to freelancing.
0: Well, I was gonna say you not only have you been busy, but your articles are definitely getting a lot of attention by some very notable people. I mean, just today here we're recording on June 11th, and uh, you know I'm I'm scrolling through Twitter and I say, oh look at that, Rand Paul tweeted an article from Fee. You wonder who it's from? Oh, it's from Brad Palumbo. How about that? Who's also on my show tonight? And, and, and I'm like, wow, just. You're, I mean, literally, you you are are having influence. Your words are now reaching a larger audience, and they actually have policy ramifications. Brett, it's got to be pretty cool because, I mean, let's let's be transparent to the audience. You're not exactly some old fart, right? I mean, you're you're still in your what early mid twenties.
1: I'm twenty three.
0: Twenty 23, and you're being retweeted by the the junior senator from Kentucky. I mean, that's absolutely. Phenomenal. I mean, from not only a, a professional career standpoint, but I mean, personally, you, you got to feel like that that's just cool, right?
1: Yeah, I guess it's funny to hear you say that because I don't think about it like that much anymore because, I mean, just in the last two years as a journalist, I've interviewed Rand. I, I've interviewed Rand twice, actually. I interviewed him last week uh, about the anti-lynching bill and criminal justice reform. But also, I mean, I've interviewed Betsy DeVos. I've interviewed like six members of Congress. Uh, two senators. Um, I interviewed the the head of the EPA unexpectedly. <laughs> so okay. I guess it's, it's it's like all of this stuff. I totally agree with you. It's like beyond my wildest dreams that I ever could have gotten to do any of it. But then you just kind of get numb to it and, and not like numb in that you don't appreciate it. But then you you start you stop realizing just how radical it is. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of the influence, I, I think you're being very generous to me, but I'd like to think so. Uh, I guess I would say, like, I've written about Rand um, Paul and Kentucky and um, Breonna Taylor and no-knock warrants twice, both times. Rand's got tweeted out the article, shared on his Facebook page. And now today he just introduced a a bill um, called, named after Breonna Taylor that would eliminate no-knock warrants entirely, which for your audience... No-knock warrants are when the police can burst into your home and they don't even have to announce that they're police. So for all you know, they're random burglars and that often results in like gunfights. And that's what got Breonna Mm -hmm. Taylor, a Kentucky African-American woman, killed. Anyway, so kind of on the influence front. So my goal has never been that. Like I've I've always wanted to reach large audiences. So that's what I really care about is when my fee articles get – 10, 20,000 reads or 100,000 reads some articles I've written or 200,000 more rare, but it has happened. That's really always been my interest is reaching as many people as possible in terms of everyday people. But it is really cool when you know that specific, powerful individuals uh, who are decision makers are keeping an eye on what you have to say.
0: Well, take it a, a step further. I mean, you, you just talked about the, when your articles hit 100,000 reads and, you're, and that, that, that again is like, if, if you were to imagine 100,000 people sitting before you in a stadium and you collectively have all their attention at once through this one article, and, and let's say, you know, everybody, you know not only is it a read, but they, they thoroughly went through, digested the information, and let's say half of them, right? Let's just say half of them were swayed by your argument. Then that's 50% of the, you know, 50,000 people that now maybe you have offered a policy position that maybe they did not consider in the past that now they're actually on board with. And I mean, I think... Brad, don't undersell yourself because that actually does mean something when people are going to the, the the ballot box. And I think we are starting to get to an era, especially here in uh, a COVID nineteen lockdown world, where everybody pretty much has all of their you know their their external whatever it is, stimuli that, that gives them that release in life, it's basically shut off. If you go out with friends on the weekend, well, sorry, you can't go out. If you want to go out and uh, you know uh, go to a, a beer garden, well, sorry, that, that's that's closed down right now. Uh, you want to go to the movie theater? Well, good luck. You have to sit home and watch it on Netflix. So people are constantly tuned in and plugged into what's happening in the world right now. And, I mean, right now, you look at what happened with, with Breonna Taylor, right, for example, and this is just one of the, the stories that's leading the Black Lives Matter protests across the nation. Um, but, I mean, libertarians, we were sitting here back in, in March and we, I actually, I did an episode, uh, over on the, uh, the friends against government podcast. And, uh, the podcast episode name was, his name was Duncan Lemp because Duncan Lemp had the exact same, basically situation happen to him. A no knock raid at, I think it was four or five in the morning. Um, you know, they they storm his house and they they shoot him in bed and they throw you know flashbangs and such into his home and I mean libertarians have been some of the the loudest voices when it comes to discussing the the, the criminal justice issues that are, are not only impacting uh, you know minorities disproportionately but honestly we're just gonna, we're gonna have to be really honest about what the issue is it is a police Violence—it's a—it's a a state violence that—that is really the overarching issue. It's not necessarily against one particular group of people. It's that we have to recognize that we are all being negatively impacted by the state. And let's start to have a conversation about looking at the root of the, the issue. What's the actual cause of the, the, the problems we're seeing? And I think the, the, the one area to start the conversation would be to eliminating some of these burdensome regulations that a lot of police officers and law enforcement officers now have to enforce because, and actually, I just, I just uh, discussed this with Matt Kibbe here on an episode that aired here on Friday. Um, you know, every single law at the end of the day is enforced at the end of a gun. I mean, and that's just how it works and you know there's there's twitter profiles out there like a crime a day and he just tweeted the other day like i should not exist and when you really think about it at the end of the day if, if you say no to any law whenever the the law enforcement officer is trying to enforce it i mean what are they going to do at, at the very end logical conclusion it does come down to force and uh, i think we maybe have to have a, a come to jesus moment with the our friends in the left because right now what's the argument defund the police and i'm i'm curious, Brad, to your perspective, I have my own thoughts here, but I, I personally feel that they're addressing n- not necessarily the real cause of the issue. They're, they're trying to go after the enforcement arm of all these laws instead of looking at, yes, the root cause, the excessive laws, the excess excessive regulations and burdensome regulations that are in the way for for that really police now, officers are now burdened to now have to enforce. Am I on the right track or, or do you have a different perspective there?
1: I think you are actually, and you kind of put it in a way I have I hadn't quite articulated before. But um, I don't support the idea of defunding the police at all. I think uh, the even libertarians know that the state has to enforce property rights and stop people from hurting each other. But the point that you get at is that we need to rethink the scope of what we ask the police to do, right? So the biggest thing that comes to mind is the drug war. Um, so they broke down Breonna Taylor's door and arrested her boyfriend and killed her, put eight bullets in her over a drugs drug investigation, and there were no drugs. And they weren't even the two of them, uh, Breonna Taylor and, and Kenneth Walker, were not even the one under investigation. It was one of Breonna's ex-boyfriends. So sad. So how many people have been killed or locked up or had their families ruined over crimes where – I don't personally think drug use is moral or good, but there is no victim. They're not hurting someone, right? Right. So at the very least, these things need to be decriminalized and thought of as health issues, not law enforcement issues, because you're right. Anything you make a crime, you are ultimately – saying that the police are going to enforce it with violence if need be. I mean, and Eric, Eric Garner
0: selling it. Lucy cigarettes. You had, um, you know, in, in the, the very right now case, George Floyd, a counterfeit $20 bill. I mean, like, are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, it's not worth it because, uh, so so I think the most interesting argument I've seen, and it, I think it was actually a fee article um, that where I read this argument is that, no, we don't need to defund the police. We need to rethink the police, Why is it that the the police respond to mental health calls and distress? Are they well equipped to do that? I don't think they are. Why is it that they're called to deal with noise complaints? Why is it the police have to do traffic enforcement, right? What if you had uh, social workers that probably maybe privately contracted by the state or maybe government employees who responded to mental health calls instead of police? Or what if you had um, traffic agents that enforced traffic laws who were unarmed and weren't arresting people and just were writing tickets? Uh, And then you only had the police get involved when there's a rape or a murder or a robbery or one of the things that everybody but the the most uh, most anarchists would agree the police should be doing – so I think that's part of the problem is the scope of policing. And I agree with you in, in the broad sense that it's not about just black people being targeted. But the thing that is true is that these laws and these these errors are disproportionately enforced mm-hmm. on towards the African-American and other minority communities, even though I don't necessarily believe – in kind of the progressive narrative of systemic racism, because they make it sound like racist cops are just hunting down black people in the streets sometimes. And we all know that that's just not borne out by the facts. But what is true is that making marijuana illegal, the practical ramifications of that are that black and white people smoke marijuana at the same rates, but black people are many times more likely to get arrested for marijuana possession. It's that kind of thing where you have... Unfair enforcements of these laws and then you had some laws and you do have some laws on the books that are explicitly racist or racially biased like when crack cocaine versus powder cocaine was exponentially more punished uh, for the drug of choice of of black people versus white people. So anyway, I I think to your kind of point, I do agree with you that the biggest problem that we need to do is one rein in the, the scope of what we ask police to do and that does not involve the funding them it's a it's an idea of rethinking and their budgets can certainly be decreased but defunding means eliminate all the funding and that's just kind of nonsense in my opinion uh and the other thing we have to do is hold police officers accountable you know both through the legal doctrine of qualified immunity that makes them pretty much immune from civil lawsuits when they violate people's constitutional rights But also from police unions that make it very hard for police departments to fire bad cops. Uh, I think uh, Derek Chauvin, uh, the guy who killed George Floyd, he'd had over a dozen complaints about him and they were never able to get rid of him. I think only in one of the cases was he even disciplined after a complaint. So you have police unions that are shielding bad cops. So I think between those two changes, that's where we've got to start.
0: Well, you, you, it's like you knew where I was going to head with that because right now we actually have, right, uh, it's the first ever tripartisan piece of legislation, and that is one Justin Amash, libertarian congressional representative from the great state of Michigan, uh, putting forward an end to qualified immunity, and now he has the support of both. His Republican, uh, one, well, at least one Republican counterpart and uh, a a number of of Democratic uh, counterparts as well in in the Congress. And uh, this is exciting because right now, not only are we seeing that there's a real push to to really look at ending qualified immunity, but, I mean, come on. We have the the only libertarian in Congress— being the face of that, that entire movement. And and then it drives me crazy because Brad, I'll look on Twitter and I'll see, you know, some faceless, you know, Twitter profile say, Well, seems like all your friends that are libertarian are staying pretty quiet right about now. And I'm like, have you been living under a rock? Because the only people I've been seeing on Twitter have been libertarians who've been just screaming from the mountaintops. We told you so and and like I'm just I'm I'm trying to understand why there's just such a disconnect with, with some people, especially in the Twitter sphere. I mean Twitter has become increasingly toxic, especially during the lockdowns, but, like, how can people just be so quick to say, like, oh, libertarians are, are you know, aren't our friends, but it's like, listen, we are, all things considered, we are your allies right now, like, we are on the same side, and I don't even need to look further than just say, look at Justin Amash is literally leading the charge right now, and he's the only libertarian in Congress, oh, and the only libertarian ever elected to a, a federal office like this, I mean, this, come on, like, 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 that is the leading voice. You can't make that argument anymore. Why do people so not want to work with us libertarians? I don't get it, Brad.
1: Well, I think like the guy who tweeted that about libertarians clearly doesn't talk to libertarians because two years ago, I I, edit, I was an editor at a libertarian media nonprofit for 50 different policy analysts. It's Young Voices, uh, young-voices.com. But I'm telling you, we couldn't get the, the these writers, these libertarian analysts to stop writing about qualified immunity. <sighs> to stop writing about police union, like it was overkill. Like we get it, you're, good point, but you've written it so many times. Uh, So it's like, obviously we didn't want them to stop writing about it, but I'm saying like, that's where the libertarian movement has been, on criminal justice, on occupational licensing reform. Like these are some of, on drug legalization. So anyone who thinks libertarians aren't um, on this issue, isn't paying attention or isn't being, intellectually honest. I think the the, the the interesting thing about Justin Amash's bill and about – and I, I've written about his bill. I, I wrote a piece for the Dispatch, and explainer on it. Uh, it's a good bill and it's something we absolutely should pass. Uh, and it is cool to see the Libertarian Party, especially the version of the Libertarian Party embodied by Justin Amash which, frankly, is more like a liber- liberty or libertarian-leaning conservative than a libertarian purist or a LP party official. Uh, it's, it's really cool to see that influencing policy in, in the, the biggest way possible and imaginable. I was honestly kind of surprised and disappointed that he's had such trouble getting Republican co-sponsors. Um, I know that Republicans of, often are afraid to piss off police and police-related voters, but I mean, you gotta be—if you're a small-government guy, a freedom caucus guy, this, or if you're someone who ran on drain the swamp, there's really no excuse for you not to put your name on a bill uh, removing a policy that makes agents of the state. Immune from lawsuits when they violate people's constitutional rights, so that to me is unconscionable.
0: Hey, I'm just going to quote Michael Malice here, and that is that essentially conservatives are progressives driving the speed limit. And if you look, and it makes me chuckle because I hear a lot of Republicans who will be like, "You, stu- you, you, stupid Democrats, you're you're just beholden to your big union bosses, you know, your teacher unions and and in your AFL CIO." And it's like, okay, go go tackle the police right now. Real in police brutality, and and who are they to face down the police unions, the, the benevolent pol- police associations, and and they are going to crumble at the first sign. That any time they're going to piss off the unions because the police unions predominantly do support um you know the the, the Republican candidates um but in these big cities it, it's flipped and and it's curious because Republicans I think have a great chance to say you know look at it. these are predominantly blue cities that you're having these issues in. And, you know maybe there's a reason that it's in these cities but instead they're not even tackling the issue at all because the, the, I think and this also kind of goes to just how how just devious the, the mainstream corporate media has been and, and it's been in their framing of the issue and and you have you know some of your your more you know rural you know what's the uh the old uh, TV show um Andy Andy Griffith show with the the old cop and you know he was just the guy that everybody knew like you know if you had to go with any problem you know your truck broke down oh you go give a you you know, Sheriff Bill will call and he'll come and help you out. Like now, the the relationship between the public and the police is entirely perverted. I mean, there was a meme I saw back probably 10 years ago when I was still a a Republican and it made me uncomfortable because it was so true, but I couldn't acknowledge it. And it was, I I resent the fact that whenever I see a red, white, and blue lights behind me that I get nervous instead of feeling safe. And, And I think that feeling there for me spoke to Really, the feeling that I think a lot of more you know white Americans, but also a lot of let's say, dare uh, you know dare I say conservative Republican voters need to have that feeling. You know, whenever you see the, the red, white, and blue behind you, and you're like that, that gut feeling in your stomach, that's what you know. Prim, 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 I'd say primarily a lot of minority and African American folks feel all the time when when they're interacting with with police because. They do have that disproportionate, um, you know, outcome, and it ends usually in violence, and that's something that we need to address. And I, again, I do think it comes down to yes, the way we we do police and what you know what do the police do, but also scaling back some of those laws. Now, the way that we'd want to scale back some of those laws, Brad, would be obviously through political channels, and really the only party that seemed to to make a, a stand. Has been that of the Libertarian Party, um, and the only candidate really out there that's running for um, the, the presidency is is Joe Jorgensen making these these arguments on a national stage. Yet I know it, you're not exactly a fan of the LP, and I, I dare say that a lot of people listening to this podcast um, are right there with you. So tell me, Brad. Right now, you know we have Trump, who who I would say is is he's been surprisingly okay in some policy areas from a libertarian standpoint a disaster in others. Um, Joe Biden basically is the entire reason that we are where we are today because he's been a congressman slash, or no, he's been a senator and then a vice president for about uh, 350 years. So I, I, I say, why not a third party right now, Brad? Why, why not look at somebody like a Dr. Joe Jorgensen, a a college professor from Clemson in psychology? Why not look at her, a former vice presidential candidate back in 1996 as a possible solution? It, it Couldn't she be a real alternative?
1: No, um, unfortunately. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll vote for her. Maybe I won't. But uh, the Libertarian Party very clearly had the chance to rally behind a candidate um, in Justin Amash when he announced who could have actually been the real deal. Right. A Libertarian, but not an anarchist, not someone who's going up on stage naked or talking about how third term abortion should be legal or Legal heroin should be sold at CBS. Uh, The the problem with the Libertarian Party is, frankly, that they are um, extremists and out of touch. The point of a political party is to win elections and to. Uh, get people who are sympathetic to your agenda in political power. That's not the the, the goal of a ideological publication or think tank. That's where <laughs> purism. I laugh because
0: I literally had this conversation. Um, I actually did a debate back Um, and it was, would Justin Amash be a great LP candidate? And I was in the affirmative. I mean, like, come on, he is the only sitting U S congressman who is a libertarian congressman who has a national platform. Like, of course he'd be a great candidate. And I was arguing against a guy who, He basically was saying that not only would Justin Amash not be a good fit, but anybody who comes from the the more conservative side of the aisle into the LP is essentially cancer. Um, And what else did he say? He said a lot of other really fascinating and just blatantly things. Let me guess. This was a
1: Jacob Hornberger supporter. No,
0: no. Believe it or not, the guy was actually um, a no-name running for the the role himself. Um, And. And he was much more of a left-leaning um, supporter. Now, I will say, Jacob Hornberger, I, I know there's been a lot of stuff that, that's, you know, come out in, in different articles. And I actually, I had Jacob Hornberger on the show, um, back episode 100. And I actually enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Hornberger. Um, doctor? I, is he a doctor? I'm not sure. Um, but I, I enjoyed my conversation, and I would love to have him back on to kind of let him tell his side of the story to a lot of those issues. Um, but then you know, going I thought he
1: disgraced himself in the debates against Justin Amash. I thought he was so nasty and awful and so out of touch with political reality. And also his vision of conservatives are just as bad as progressives. I mean, you, he was basically just attacking Justin Amash out of jealousy and then also strawmanning and scapegoating him as if he was some statist just because he doesn't support open borders and third term abortion like Justin Amash. Has literally a 99% lifetime rating from Freedom Works. You can't get a more authentically small government guy than Justin Amash. So I thought that I thought that Jacob was just really all over the place, and I I, I was really disappointed and put off. And but it's not just him as an individual. That's basically what the Libertarian Party is: is these rigid ideologues who are not libertarians, but they are anarchists. And they think anybody who doesn't support privatizing the military is basically a statist and they won't nudge from anything except total open borders, uh, heroin on demand, right? Like I'm, they're just so out of touch with political reality. And if what you want to see – this is what I want to see in our politics is on all the issues of the day, move in a libertarian direction, right? Drug decriminalization stop the drug war, criminal justice reform, lower taxes, reduce deficits, shrinking the federal government, rolling back occupational licensing reform. Like There's so many ways in which our politics could be moved in a sensibly uh, libertarian direction that are supported by broad swaths of the public, everything I just said. But when you make the face of your movement and your political party, which is not where purism belongs, when you make it rigid ideologues and I'm a registered libertarian. I actually, I don't know that I've told anyone that, but that is true. I have been since I was old enough to vote. Uh, I voted for Gary Johnson. Uh, I, I don't think I will vote libertarian party now. Um, Joe, I have nothing against Joe Jorgensen, but she represents to me the same kind of libertarian purism. And also she's just not really qualified or a serious candidate in the way that Justin Amash is in terms of government experience, qualifications and national profile. So, yeah, I guess that's where I'm at. I have some serious gripes with the Libertarian Party because it really could be so successful if it was a moderate mainstream liberty party. And that's just the farthest thing of what it is now.
0: See, I kept my mouth shut that entire time, Brad, because you pretty much said you, you proved my point. Okay, in, in about two and a half years worth of this show, um, you know, from day one, I was saying the liberta- nobody's going to take the Libertarian Party seriously until the Libertarian Party takes itself seriously. Um, and and you, you hit the nail on the head because the problem with the Libertarian Party, yes, principles are great, but you have to talk about principles to your average person and i think the problem with a lot of libertarians is that we think that if we were able to you know speak to people with our 99 level libertarian knowledge and you know they're at level one that they're going to be able to digest exactly what we're telling them i mean like going from we are going to go from a, a complete welfare society both in terms of its corporate welfare and per, you know our societal welfare to a a libertopia overnight your average person's brain cannot comprehend that middle ground and they're like if if you're saying we're going to get rid of welfare in my mind that instantly means that there's going to be poor people out there who aren't going to have food and they're going to be starving in the streets and it's our responsibility to show how libertarian solutions work and will actually start solving these problems. So I think, you know, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but this is kind of my, my thought as to how the libertarian party and libertarian movement by and large can legitimize uh, itself. Um, legitimize? Legitimize. Le- legitimize, whatever. Legitimize. Legitimize, thank you. See, this is why we have you here. So you can keep me and my logistics, uh, you know, at least somewhat going. Um, but anyways, number one is that the libertarian party, we have a responsibility to be a true alternative party to a, a majority of Americans. Um, and I think there, we have to look at, yes, the, the people who are voting, but the people who are not voting as well. And we have to inspire them to vote, which is, yes, a very hard thing to do, but we have to give them a reason to get off their feet, get off the, their, their, their you know off their couch, get on their feet, and go out to the polling places, number one. Then step two, we have to have as a libertar, uh, libertarian movement, we have to start creating solutions and offer them to people and say, here are the answers to the middle ground question. Because once we start having libertarian solutions, you know, a libertarian nonprofit that focuses on uh, helping you know a community for uh, uh, vaccinations, let's just say, right. If you were to have that libertarian you know solution in place already and somebody says, Well, what are we gonna do to help provide healthcare for you know low-income families? You can say, Here's an example right here. They do great work in you know, this community. If we were able to you know let each community have something like this, then this you know, it would help solve X problem. And then it's gonna be, oh, okay, let's give it a try. And then you can start putting it in places in you know maybe some some smaller, more rural cities. And if you start to have success. Put it to a larger city, you know, uh, you know, maybe fifty thousand, a hundred thousand people. See if it's working for that city, and then you can scale it up. And then now we have more, you know, case studies basically to look back to and say, "Look at this is working," and here's what we can try on a, a larger scale. Or if you want, say, "Listen, if this is too much for you guys, number three, here's number three for libertarians: support federalism." Like I know it's not a real tenet of liberty, but I think we need to take a stance and say not every single person in the United States should be governed under a universal law that's going to not only encompass 330 million people, but 330 very, very, very different people. I mean, our entire slogan was E Pluribus Unum, from one many. And there that's part of what makes America great is that we do have so many differences. So let us, you know, let us enjoy and appreciate those differences. And if you don't want to, you know, associate, as, you know, it's New York, right? If you don't want to associate with those rednecks in, in Alabama, then then you, I don't think you should be forced to. I think we should we should let us start to make more of a federalist approach to our, our our national decisions. That I don't know if they necessarily need to be national decisions. So, Brad, those three points. Am I on the right track?
1: Yeah, I agree with you on. Uh there's kind of two big points there I want to tackle. But the first one that you just mentioned, federalism, to me is the only way you you have our society not fracture, that you have such a polarized. I'll give you an example. Uh, I am a pro-life voter and a, a pro-life person, uh, but I believe that we should repeal Roe v. Wade and send it back to the states. Let every state make their own abortion laws. Ultimately, we have to let California be California and Texas be Texas if we want to preserve the union. Because we cannot continue to go down this road of uh, hyper-partisanship, of increasing radicalism, increasing animosity. And federalism where is basically a, a really good step to get there. Uh, Because coexistence and pluralism are two of the things I really deeply believe in. And I think that federalism is is one of the the key ways that you have to get there. Um, In terms of the other point, uh, in terms of what libertarians, how libertarians or libertarian leaning people could get elected uh, from the libertarian party, it's hard now to even envision this because the libertarian party has established itself the way it is. And has the image in the public eye that it has, um, and also I, it's hard because we have such a dominant two-party system. But frankly, if I was a libertarian, regardless of whether, and maybe you know what, this is what I might do. I've always I've always thought about writing running for office. Actually, uh, running for state senate, uh, I would run on cutting your taxes, reforming the criminal justice system, rolling back occupational licensing. Um, and promoting school choice, and maybe one or two other things. But I would pick the five libertarian issues that are the most consensus and popular, make that my platform.
0: (laughs) I I smile because it's like right now you could have any libertarian candidate out there. And you know what? Heck, this will be a great – Free consult, uh, you know, consul, consultating uh, session here with with Brad and I, um, you know, what we can do it, to help in terms of, of marketability for the Libertarian Party, just listen to this episode because that is exactly what we need to do, Brad. We need to focus on what people are focusing. Now, I know you said you're not necessarily going to look at it right now as a candidate, but I will give credit where credit is due. That is one thing that Joe Jorgensen has done is she's really made it a focus to, um, to fo- uh, really address young people, and she's focusing on... The issues that young people care about. Now the question is, will that get people out to actually vote? We we'll have to see. And and you know, time has shown us in the past, and and we really don't have too much success with that. Uh, But you know, what we'll see if if it works, thumbs up. If not, back to the drawing board. But I think to your point, Brad, is if if we can at least give libertarian candidates the the chance to you know pick those those big issues, and and it doesn't have to be big issues that are across the board. I mean, you're talking about from a, a national level, right? But Go to your, your local level. What's the top, you know, three four issues for your community, and what's the libertarian answer to that? And then you have to think about a way to pitch that to people that shows value. And I think that's one thing. Maybe Brad and we can start to wrap up here on this. Is that libertarians? We have to to, to stop you know being able to you know quote uh, you know Hayek or Rothbard you know cite by verse and think we're going to win people over. It, nobody cares how great we can recite, you know, uh, Mises. Nobody nobody really honestly cares. But if we can show how those words and those principles will add value to them as individuals, both in their their individual lives, but as a community, I think that's where we're actually going to have some real... Tangible, but also some long-lasting success. Brad, your thoughts, and uh, also as we wrap up here, um, give some folks an idea where they can go ahead and uh, follow you, so they can obviously make sure they stay up to date with all the great work you're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I don't want you to come away with the impression that I'm super anti Joe Jorgensen. I'm still kind of open-minded, and and I need to learn more about her, and maybe interview her at some point. I think what I really am is is very disillusioned with the the LP presidential nominee because it's not a mosh and because they botched it horribly, the chance to have one of the best candidates in the LP's history, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, don't. I don't want your listeners to come off as like I'm an anti-Joe person. I don't know enough about it, so we'll have to see. Uh, but I hope that, like you, we can see actual meaningful movement towards liberty but I'll be honest with you, I think the path there has to be through the conservative movement. Frankly, I think the conservative movement, when Trump loses in 2020, uh, and then there will be a jump ball in the conservative movement between the Josh Hollies and the Rand Pauls, and I'm going to be on that Rand Paul Liberty conservative train, and there's going to be a fight for the future of conservatism. And I think that's where the true path to electorally speaking, achieving liberty oriented policies is going to be. Um, I guess so that will be my, my parting wisdom for this free consulting session. But yeah, people can uh, go to my Twitter, which is at Brad underscore Palumbo, P-O-L-U-M-B-O. And while they're there, they can click the link to sign up to my weekly newsletter and they can always read my writing at the Washington Examiner and fee. Uh, but thanks again, Brian, for having me on and uh, this conversation.
0: For sure, and for our audio-only listeners, Brad gave you the plugs, but for those of you who actually diligently look at the show notes, I will include all the links to uh, Brad's social media, but also all the areas you can find his great work. So with that being said, Brad Palumbo, thanks for joining The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks. Alrighty, folks, that's gonna wrap up my conversation with Brad Palumbo. Always a fun conversation with Brad, and uh, definitely one of the good guys. So make sure you go out there and give him a follow on social media uh, and support all the great work that Brad is doing, uh, not only in his freelancing work but also uh, over at Fee. Um, so with that being said, folks, a-, a lot of housekeeping. We have so many episodes as I flip back through uh, my notes here because. So, number one, I have been busy personally. I I actually just uh, moved to uh, my my first uh, home, and... First home, yes. I have lived in uh, nowhere for the past uh, ever. Um, no, my, my my first actual home buying experience, and uh, just you know through the past week and a half, two weeks or so, finalizing that it's been crazy, uh, especially with the moving in. So new studio, uh, which is awesome, and you guys will see that I'm going to be actually over on um the uh, the Freckles and Brit show. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun uh, coming up here this uh, this weekend. So uh, if you're if you're looking for uh, for that, you can actually see my my video, and you can see the new the new studio behind there uh, this weekend. So I'll make sure I, I re air that or or at least uh, retweet it over on Twitter at B. Nichols Liberty, And that leads me to uh, pushing you guys to just follow me on social media if you have not yet, at BNicholsLiberty, uh, both on not only Twitter, but also Facebook and Minds.com. Um, and I, again, I'm trying to get more active on Minds. I, I, hold me to it. I, please hold me to it. Um, but also, guys, uh, with that being said, if you enjoy today's episode, I, and I said this in the beginning of the show, please share with a friend. This is one of those episodes, I, I honestly believe, when you share it with, with someone, they they could see the value in, in the va- the ideas that we're we're presenting as, as real legitimate alternatives. And and right now people are are looking for answers because they, they, they look at the, the people who are in charge and they're like, I don't know who to believe, who to trust. And and we have a chance right now as as people who embrace the ideas of liberty to say, hey, listen, this this is right now an opportunity. And and this is how we accomplish the, the very common goals that we do share. So otherwise 37 of you have given us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Bravo, and to the, uh, I I know, I'm saying this right now, thousands of other members of the Brian Nichols Show audience, what what are you doing? Come on, so so here's my task also on top of sharing the episode is to go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your your podcast from and give the Brian Nichols Show a a five-star rating and go ahead and rate us a quick review. Again, that's how people learn about the show. They say, hey, this show looks interesting. People are giving it a review, and I'll go ahead and give it a listen. They hit subscribe, and then we have them for life. And then they start to learn about liberty, and hey, then they start to do, on their liberty pathway, the education part. They're teaching people in their 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 sphere of influence, and they start to change hearts and minds, and that's how we accomplish our goal of spreading the message of liberty and actually changing hearts and minds and building a better future for not only our, ourselves, but for our kids, their kids and so forth so guys with that being said if uh, if you found some value again from the show uh not only would i appreciate your your support by sharing the show but also Hey, we got to pay the bills. We got to keep the lights on. And that can be accomplished by your support over at our uh, We Are Libertarians store, where we have some awesome merch ranging from We Are Libertarians t-shirts, the Brian Nichols Show t-shirts and sweaters. Uh, You have shows like uh, Gingerarchy and the Boss Hog of Liberty. All of the the We Are Libertarians network shows are are over at our, our merch store. So click that link in the show notes. Go ahead and get some awesome merch. If you go ahead and purchase the merch, and show the merch, you know, you're wearing that awesome sweater, take a selfie, tag us, we will give you a retweet. Big channel, we are Libertarians, yours truly here at The Brian Nichols Show. Uh, Guys, with that being said, I have nothing more to say. Brad Palumbo it was a blast, but with that being said, Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Brad Palumbo. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.